Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that really needs to work on its skating to be taken seriously at the NHL level. It's time to do a little bit of stargazing. Mark, how are you? I'm doing just great. It's uh, it's getting toward the evening time, close to the end of the day, so I'm about ready to give up a goal. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll have some some quality chances before before bedtime. Well, I, you know, I'll get a couple quality chances uh, after I give up the goal, and I'll probably uh, put them over the net. I mean, that's just how it works sometimes, right? Holy smokes! It was a uh, it's it's been a week, I think, as they say in the business. You know, it's uh, it's not entertaining for 60 minutes, but there are moments of of, of sheer panic and joy, and and some of those uh, some of those are directly related to the stars, even. So we, we, we have a genuine superstar on this team. We we do. And holy smokes, we're going to talk a little bit about Robo. J-Rob, as I will call him, regardless of other nicknames assigned. We're going to talk about J-Rob. We'll talk about Miro's recent absence, uh, implications thereof. We'll talk about Ottinger. Uh, we've got a trade deadline coming up. And, you know, don't, don't look now. Um, you know, do that thing where you put your hand over your eyes and then just part a couple of fingers real small but as we record this it's it's of course wednesday night and as we speak the dallas stars are occupying the western conference's final playoff spot after you know obviously last night was a bit of a disheartening loss to the nashville predators but you know the the four games immediately preceding that not bad so there's there's a little bit of life in this bunch maybe possibly question mark what do you think well, I think we played some really good division games, and uh, we came out okay. I mean, if if we go into a Winnipeg, Minnesota, and Nashville trip and say we're going to come out of it at two and one, I think we're going to be pretty happy with that. I mean, you take that going in, and, and the cool thing to me is while all of this is going on, so of course – you know, Dallas, when we last recorded was, I think we were level on points percentage, but they hadn't passed anybody outright yet. The the fun thing about the NHL and when, when you play some games that are inside the conference and inside the division, Dallas is now 7-2-1 and one in their last 10 games. And if you look at the guh of teams around them, so we'll start in 10th place, Anaheim, 4-6. and six. Edmonton, 4-5-1, and one, and the last I checked, they were losing tonight. Vegas, 4-5-1. Nashville, 4-6-0. Minnesota, 3-7-0. Uh, St. Louis, 5-3-2. So you're starting to see, I mean, some stratification. And, and the, the you know, Colorado's gone and, and in the barn, and Calgary's probably pretty close behind them. But Dallas picked a pretty good time to go on a run because their, their winning streak coincided with a little bit of air out of the tire hockey from the rest of the Western conference. Right. And it's, it's going to be a bit of a slog here uh, moving forward to, to make it all the way in. But I think at this point we can probably officially declare that, the, that the teams overcome that miserable start they got off to. And, and I remember there was, there was a bunch of, bunch of numbers going around after, after the first 10 games about how unlikely it was to come back from such a large deficit that mm-hmm. they opened up with and that deficit's gone and so now now we have you know 30 percent of the season left and we're sitting right there in a spot and if you take a look at the points percentage since the since that bad start ended 
uh, it's it's well over 600, and that's a solid playoff position. Yeah, it's it's a solid playoff position, and it, you know, on the one hand, it's great that they finally got their act together. On the other hand, holy smokes, how much better would this thing look? If they hadn't, um, you know, punted on such a, a large chunk of the season earlier, right, and, and and also kind of, you know, grabbed defeat from the jaws of victory in in, in three or four games so far. Yeah, it's it's still the the, the Calgary uh, the Calgary comeback. Um, you know, St. Louis did it to them as well. Uh, the Montreal game, yeah, you you start to look at it, and it's good that they're in there. But yeah, you do. This is when you look back on some of those missed opportunities and lost points, and think about, you know, an extra two or three points at this stage of the season, and you know that that'd be pretty nice right now. Yeah, and I mean, there it, it wasn't pretty hockey, but it was road hockey against division opponents. And uh, there was some great goaltending that that, uh, that the team saw, and and that's always going to pull them out. And I think that's part of the identity that was missing for a while here. Um, but yeah, they played great road games, and and they put themselves in a position to win, and and they won a few more than they lost. Yeah, and let's let's go ahead and start there, diving in with the goaltending, right? And and of course, right right before we recorded the last podcast, um, I believe Jake Ottinger was about to play himself into waiver exemption, and he has started, I think, four of the last five, I want to say, but he he is the number one goaltender for the Dallas Stars now, right? Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt about it, and uh, yeah, and he's doing he he's thriving in that position. Yeah, he he really seems to the the knock on him last year, right, was the consistency argument that his good was fine, but when he wasn't at his best, right, he could he could, you know, technique could slip, pucks could get through, et cetera. He he has been I feel like that's that's kind of gone and forgotten, right? He's been steady behind the pipes. He's been the reason they've won some of these games. He's he hasn't given up any, you know, backbreakers or anything that, that just kills the team. And you, you just can't ask more out of a, especially 23 year old goaltender. As we record this, he's played 29. He's played, uh, he started 27 games, 19 wins, seven losses, uh, 2.3 goals against uh, 92.2% uh, save percentage. So like those are legit numbers. Right. And, and you take a look at it. Even early on in the year, you can kind of take a look at the splits and say, well, yeah, they're getting they're they're giving Ottinger the home starts and they're giving Holtby the difficult road starts. But Ottinger has been doing everything and his road record is just fabulous now. And so he's not being protected. He's he's a true one A, if not just a one. Yeah, I mean, there was the stretch he played what back to back nights. Um for the stars during the streak. And, and and all of this is to say, like, it's not like Braden Holtby has suddenly turned into a pumpkin, right? He's, he's got a perfectly respectable nine, you know, 91, three, and then a 2.78 GA. So Braden Holtby is giving them that, that, you know, I guess it's more of a number two slot now instead of the one B, but all of a sudden this is, we're getting back to kind of that classic model of the Dallas stars, which is, yeah, there's a guy capital G, but the, the other guy, the, the lowercase G guy is, is pretty good too. Yeah, and and you know, I was a little worried with with Holpe. What he 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 started the Winnipeg game, right? And you haven't seen Holpe in a while, and so you're kind of worried that he's going to be a little rusty. And he just came out on fire and played a great game. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's a number one and number two. This is Dallas Stars hockey. 
This is Dallas. I mean, it's it's Dallas Stars hockey, and and all of a sudden we've had you know some flourish from Tyler Sagan is scoring, and and we're getting some depth. Um, he's got, you know, I think he he was blanked against Nashville, but he's picking up some points recently. He's got let's see, three, four, five, six. Seven. He's got seven points in his last you know ten or so games. So it's not you know lighting the league on fire numbers, but it's it's credible secondary scoring threat numbers. Yeah, and you know Ben, give, give him an open net from the other side of the rink. He'll mm-hmm. pot one. Um, I don't, I'm not sure anybody Sometimes. else will. But <laughs> well, Ben wasn't the problem. Uh, he, he he hit the center of the net, but everybody else seemed to miss. You know, Foxes certainly could have used one there. He had a couple chances. But uh, hey, you know Riley Tufty got his first. You know Luke Glendening continues to to do some un-Glendening type things and yeah it doesn't always have to be the top line um, but it certainly helps it certainly helps and and you know in this we'll, we'll segue to that top line another couple of milestones so um, J- Jason Robertson played his 100th game and celebrated that that little stretch of hockey with with back-to-back tricks which is something that i I feel like the world has conditioned me out of expecting to ever see from the Dallas Stars. That was a he he's had himself a, a heck of a start to his career, hasn't he? Yeah, that's uh, and it was kind of cool because then then his brother gets his uh, his first NHL goal right there at the same time. So, you know, good good times in the Robertson household. You know that's got to that's got to steam his bro though. He, he gets his first, he's all excited and then Jason goes out and scores six goals in two games and you know at, at that point like you're kind of relegated to second class citizen status at the dinner table, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know I can I can remember back you go back 2 years ago before Jason really uh hit hit, hit the big time there and, and there was a while there where the talk was that Nick was the Robertson that you wanted. And and I guess we quieted that down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, right? We we And this is, to me, this is one of the perfect uh, encapsulations of, of the journey of an NHL prospect sometimes. And, you know, what was the big, you know, the big knock on, on Jason Robertson as a prospect, you know, as a, as a, you know, pre-draft was, you know, hands for days, great hockey sense, great offensive instincts, skates like he's got lead in his feet, right? So there was, and, and this is not me, you know, trying to hide behind hindsight and say, oh, but I thought he was. No, there there were legitimate, credible concerns about whether or not he would be able to, um, you know, whether or not he would be able to to pick up skating at the NHL level to get to a point where all of that other stuff he had would be useful. And then fast forward to the third goal he scored against Winnipeg, right? He forced a breakaway at the end of a, you know, 90 second shift. Oh, what was his, <laughs> his skating was just terrible on that breakaway. Don't you think? <laughs> I mean, what he'd only, he'd only, he'd only been on the ice for a minute and a half. You know, he, the, the fortunate thing for the stars is that his brain decided it wanted to score instead of go to the bench. <laughs> I feel like you can do that when you're in your 20s. But it's it it is one of those, you know, it it speaks to from from the player's standpoint, right? It speaks to Jason Robertson and it really goes a long way to explain why he has had the success that he's had because he he attacked a flaw. And yep. you know, he's not going you, you don't when you see him skate, you don't see, you know, echoes of Mike Madonna in the rippling jersey or, or, you know, that like, we're not talking about that, but there's, he, he's taken something that, that was potentially a debilitating weakness 
and turned it into a non-issue. And now you're seeing everything else in his game just shine through. And it's been, it's just been fantastic. Yeah. As uh, I mean, he, he knows how to get his shot off in tight quarters. He knows how to get the puck off the boards. He knows how to, you know, he thinks about three steps ahead of the game. So he knows where the puck's going to be, not chasing after where it's going to go. And that makes up for a lot of foot speed. It absolutely does. And, and the other thing as well, when you look at him and you, you think about, you know, it's a game of adjustments and, and ways to keep Jason Robertson off the scoreboard. Like, look at his last, you know, maybe take the empty netter out of it. But, you know, look at the five goals he scored on goaltenders. He had the first where he absolutely undressed Hellebuck, right? And he's, he's scoring on the breakaway. He's scoring on tips and taps and rebounds. And he's scoring on shots on the rush. Like, he's getting them from everywhere and from a variety of different ways. This is not a situation where he is a, you know, kind of a one-trick pony and he does one, you know, and, and we kind of have to worry about that. Like this is this is a well-rounded offensive weapon we're talking about. Right. And, and you take a look at what, what was it just a couple of weeks ago? You had Hints and you had Pavelski and you had Robertson and they they were all sitting there in the low 20s on goal scored. And that is, they aren't together anymore. <laughs> no, no, there's there's been a little bit of separation right at at, at time of recording. Right. It's Robertson has twenty nine. Hence uh, has twenty three. Pavelski has twenty two. Of course, Joe Pavelski still leads the team with fifty nine points. He's having just a, a season for the ages. And um, yeah, it's it's Hintz is the one that's going to have to catch up. He's he's only got forty seven points. And, um, you know, Robertson's got fifty four and, and Pavelski is fifty nine. Well, and the interesting thing about that, I think, is is how much recognition we're now starting to see about Hints and his two way game yeah. and his ability to be the guy who can who can center a line and be kind of the glue that holds it together. Well, the offensive guys kind of take care of the other side and 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 hints can hints can score at, at the same time uses speed but he uses his speed going both ways he does he's he has really evolved into something special and i think you're you're absolutely right especially when you look at the profile of you know it, it's not a it's not an accident that you're seeing kind of this this late stage career renaissance out of joe pavelski when you've got him around like there is there is such intelligence and skill in in Jason Robertson and then you have intelligence and skill and speed and and hence and all of a sudden right you've got a line that can kind of do uh, do everything right and I think yeah Rupe, Rupe's ability to be the true pivot right the guy in the middle is has been uh, it's it gives the other two the breathing room to to be the kind of offensive dynamos that they are right and and I I think at some point, you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years that, that you start seeing a fairly consistent hints getting uh, selfie votes. Yeah, it's I mean, that's how you do it, right? You you the way that it works nowadays is you have to have some kind of offensive ability. You've got to get your name out into the world. And then once you do that, yeah, he could I, I could absolutely see him. It's kind of like the, the Sasha Barkov route, right? Yep. And well deserved. He's he's going to have a, a good goaltender behind him that's going to make those defensive plays matter, and it looks like he's going to have some offensive weapons around him to help him. That's going to to help keep those point totals respectable. And there's just the sky's the the sky's the limit. He's he's another one of those guys, right? We're talking about that. That there's just not really a flaw in his game. Yep. Yep. And as long as you know, the one thing that worries me about hints is is 
he has the weapon of his speed and, and with him getting more and more time on the penalty kill, you just worry that, that the abuse that you take blocking shots is going to eat into that a little bit. And, yeah. I mean, he had that, tough. he had that stretch in the playoffs where it felt like, you know, one, one year it happened against Nashville and it hurt him in St. Louis. Uh, there was, you know, the final, he got dinged up. It's, it does seem like every year at some point he gets dinged up. And, yeah. and unfortunately, well, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem you run into when you, you have a team that depends on blocking shots. I mean, it's, you, you take that much rubber to, to vital parts of your body and it's going to take its toll after a long season. Well, and it's it's a combination of things, right? It's it's a you it's the consequence of having a team that prioritizes um, blocking shots. It's also a situation where this is a team that uh, is is kind of top heavy. Right. And it's a team that really does lean on its on its number one line. So the 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 cringe you see from Stars fans whenever, um, you know, hence goes to block a shot is very real because it's not just the the impact of him getting hurt or limited feels a lot more acute than than it would on a team that maybe had more reliable depth. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um and, and let's, I suppose we can transition a little bit. Speaking of people who uh, who are missing games, Miro. Uh, yeah, what is it? Three in a row with a non-COVID illness. Three in a row with a non-COVID illness. Um, I, I have a question for you. Um, we went two and one in that stretch. Um, what did <laughs> Miro, we miss? Miro's the problem. He's he's clearly dragging Ryan Suter down. Well, I have some theories here, but I uh, you know this, this is this is the you know, if you ask right out, this is the team's MVP, um, yep. at least before Robertson comes into the equation. Um, and, and we lose we lose him and Sagan for the first game in Winnipeg, and then and then Miro for all three games on the trip. We're in all we're in all the games, and I don't know that you could say that the defense really suffered as a result. No, but I on? think is I do think you have to look at the opponents a little bit, right? So for starters. Winnipeg has not exactly been, you know, when I went through, they, they, they didn't even make the list of teams that I I read records about. So they've been falling out of the playoff picture for a while and they still scored three on, or sorry, they still, yeah, they scored three on the stars and, you know, Minnesota has been also bad lately. They've been, you know, three and seven, right. And they also scored three on the Dallas stars. And then Nashville, of course, likes to play a low. So I guess my, my point there is in the first two games that Miro missed, you could, you could look at it and say that, you know, there were some, it wasn't exactly like they were playing, you know, peak, peak Colorado avalanche either go around. And I think that is, you know, I'm not, it's the rest of the defense deserves praise for stepping up, but I'm, I'm not exactly going to say that, that the team is even in jest going to say the team is better off without Mira Haskin in the lineup. <laughs> well, and, and that was, that was certainly not my intent either. It, sure. It's just, you know, it's a, it's, it's kind of a small sample size. So one, one thing I would say is, especially in the first two games, um, you're, you're talking about two teams that cycle the puck a lot and, and transition was not the issue in in either one of those games, and that's really going to be Miro's strength. Yeah. And so the first two games were ones where where the the things that Miro does best weren't the things that we needed most. 
Um, and I think we probably missed that a lot more. Uh, Nashville certainly had some better pressure on the forecheck and things like that, where I think we could have used Miro's, uh, Miro's abilities uh, more. Um, yeah. I, I'd also say maybe that, uh, you know, Miro is really smart with the puck and some of the issues that we had closing out games, I think don't, uh, you know, we still have problems, but I, I don't think the problems are nearly as bad if you have Miro um, holding down one of those spots as the game's coming down toward the end, um, as if you have uh, a, a Suter and uh, Suter and Hawk and Paw. Yeah, and do you think you know? Speaking of theories, right? Do you think that when you when you look at Ryan Suter, he spent a very long time in Minnesota. You know, he's transitioning into a new team, new system. You know, kind of shades of Joe Pavelski season one. Do you think that? in a way it helps him playing with a more limited player like Yanni Hockenpah because it allows Suter then to kind of simplify and, and, you know, it, it puts his game in better order because he has a much more limited partner, right? So it's, it's much less. And, and I'm trying to say this in a way that, that doesn't come across as just taking a flamethrower to Yanni Hockenpah because that's not so much my point, but but when you play like a play, when you play with a player like Miro Haskinen, you have to make more adjustments because he's capable of more things, right? He might rush the puck, he might make a pass, he might take a shot, he might. You know, there's the list of options is larger. So as a new partner, there's more in the back of your head where you know when you think about coverage and gap and all of the things that that you have to do. Whereas with Yanni Hockenpah, the, the menu of stuff is much smaller. And, and do you think that that part of you know, because Suter seems like he's been a little better lately. Do you think that part of that is there's just less for him to think about because there's less that his partner might do? I, I'm so confused with Suter because I, you know, we, we saw we saw one game here where Suter was just flat lights out, and and that's the Suter that you hope that you can get. Mm-hmm. And you there, there's always. In my mind, it's it's almost seems like it's a, it's an effort and commitment thing, and and you see this sometimes with with players who have experience. They know they know that they can turn it on, and so they don't always run turned on because they're going to need that energy come playoff time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have no clue whether that's what Suter's thinking, but there are sometimes where it just seems that that he lets the puck play him as opposed to as, as opposed to being proactive and, and, and attacking. And, you know, so when he's on, I, I like his game, but there seem to be a lot of times when he is, he's not bringing the intensity to the game that you'd hope he would. Yeah. I and, think that's a good way to put it. Lots of, lots of mental mistakes, um, you know, kind of slow pickups on positional assets. Yeah, there, I, that, I mean, that's not, I don't think that's an inappropriate uh, or incorrect analysis, but, uh, and, and it could even dovetail into, you know, a, a pretty good motivator to kick it into gear is knowing that you're, you know, the all world MVP is no longer in the picture. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the other thing that came to mind as I was watching the stars look amazingly decent without Haskinen in the lineup was that it was just further evidence that the stars aren't getting all that they could be getting out of him. Yeah. Because you, 
with a player of uh, of Haskinen's ability, you should miss him more. Yeah, I mean that's that's been the for a lot of the season, right? The goals aren't quite where we expected. The points aren't quite where we expected. There's nothing, you know. There's nothing wrong. You know, it's hard to watch him play and think, oh yeah, this is broken. But you're right. There's there is a sense that you know we we've complained about it before. It's one of the many we've leveled against this particular team. It it seems like they're far more focused on raising his. Um, you know, raising this this team's floor than they are in in fighting for its ceiling, right? And 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 I mean, I'm watching this and I'm saying, well, you know, the the guy who stepped up with Miro gone, I thought was John Klingberg, mm-hmm. and, and and I thought, you know, his he to assist in a goal in the last two games and and played well yeah. against Winnipeg as well, and, and and also, you know, you can see the effort on the defensive end. Um, led to a couple penalties, but on the other hand, he's a uh, he's He's stepping up, um, and it, it kind of leads me to believe again that you know Klingberg, given given what this team does, Klingberg is kind of the black swan out there, and we we don't let Klingberg do what he's best at because that's not what the team does, and we don't let Haskinen do what what he is best at because it's too simple. Yeah, I mean, it's it's because you think your point. This team prioritizes different things. Yeah, and and, and, so, and it's more and, important. And what for I this. saw, yeah, what I saw was Yanni Hockenpah playing twenty eight minutes and looking okay in the system. And your your six foot six third uh, third pair defender, you should see some drop off if if you're if you're expecting more from your first and second pairs. Yeah. Yeah, you should. And and this is something that it'll be interesting to see what happens when, you know, you, you would hope that he he's back into the lineup sooner rather than later. The team certainly needs him, but again, it's that. And I think as well, like that's going to be the thing that matters once we start talking about what the playoffs might look like, or even critical games down the stretch is, is this team needs to start thinking about what they could be versus trying to, to worry about what they, you know, where they might fall short, if that makes sense. Yep. And, and, you know, obviously you're going to see a spot in the playoffs where the team's going to either try and lock everything down and hope they get lucky or they're going to try and find that edge that'll allow them to win games as opposed to not lose games. And, and I think that's where we're at. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know, they'll get him back and then, you know, they've got the Rangers on, let's see the Rangers Saturday. on Saturday, uh, Rangers, Maple Leafs, which is a buzzsaw. Of course, they've got a vengeance game against the Montreal Canadiens. So it's, it's an interesting stretch for the Dallas stars, this next four games, because the Rangers are not great, Bob, but they're also Dallas stars kryptonite in that they are so heavily dependent upon elite goaltending. And what are the Dallas stars so very good at doing right is making any, any goalie they play against elite. So there's that. And then of course, all world Toronto and and Austin Matthews, and, and that'll be a show, but you know, looking at those next four games, like we we've, seen the stars kind of alternate streaks so far this season. And and this is one of those classic, and I'm knocking on wood, I swear, but one of those classic Dallas stars prove it stretches where 
they're sh- looking at the next, you know, Canadians and Islanders, those should be slam dunks. Um, the Rangers is a winnable game. Uh, Toronto, they're they're going to get chances at least, and the goaltending may not be there. So it's it's just looking at those, just that next little slice of games, like that's an opportunity to, to gain some more ground before a rematch with Washington and then Edmonton, right? So it's going to be a little while before Dallas is really under the, the buzz saw again. So you, you kind of want to see a, a good stretch, don't you? Well, yeah. And I mean, there are only three games left against central division opponents. So at this point, it's almost like we've run the gauntlet and you don't want to take too deep of a breath because if you do, all of a sudden you're going to lose some games that you needed to win. And even though they aren't four point games, you're going to lose some two point games and, and then you're going to be fighting back up that hill that you just climbed. Yeah. Well, and more critically, so you're, you're right about, you know, a handful of games against the central. The other thing though, is Dallas has a lot of games against the Pacific. And when you look at the way the standings are breaking out and and sure, if, if St. Louis and Minnesota and Nashville continue to struggle, then Dallas could very well pull themselves back into, you know, the upper reaches of the central and be in that conversation. But realistically, right. It's Edmonton, it's Anaheim, it's Vancouver, it's Los Angeles, right? Realistically, Dallas is, is really in the muck for that, that second wildcard slot. So the fact that they've got games, they've got, I think three games against the ducks, they've got the Kraken again, they've got a couple against San Jose, they've got the Knights. Like this is, it's deceptive in that, you know, they don't play the central. So they're not, like you said, there aren't a ton of kind of traditional four point games, but given where Dallas sits in the standings, you could look at Edmonton, Vancouver, Anaheim. Uh, you know, those are four point games when you're talking about the wild card standings. Um, and so there's, there's some important stuff left, but it's, it's not just skimming the list. They've got Carolina once they've got, you know, Tampa Bay, they've got Minnesota again, they've got Calgary, uh, who knows what Vegas will look like by the end of the season, health-wise. This is not, and again, I'm, I'm almost reluctant to say it out loud, but this is not a murderer's row. This is not no. a, this is not a, you know, hat and hands stretch of hockey. And all of a sudden, like, Dallas has an opportunity here. Yeah, I, we have uh, we have some talk to do about the trade deadline coming up, and I think Dallas is definitely put themselves in a position where we're inside of inside of two weeks until the trade deadline. And there's no reason for the stars to be sellers. They've, yeah, they've, I mean, that's, that's they've gone through this going. stretch and, and been there. Yep. There's just no, you know, I, I could see maybe trimming, you know, like, yeah, if you're in a, in a perfect world, you, you know, you may find you have a question to ask about if, if there's somebody else that that might use him more, I could see maybe Alex Radulov being a piece that you might listen about, but you know, you may want that lottery ticket. If you're the Dallas stars, some, some scoring potential scoring depth, you know, there's, but yeah, I, I think at this stage, especially with having me, having seen what happened with Miro missing a couple of games, I, I think you got to roll the dice on, on getting maybe, you know, you keep Klingberg and, hope that he doesn't get a godfather offer over the summer and maybe bring him back at terms you like, or, or just risk losing him for a playoff run. Right. You know, a month ago, I would have said Radulov was the easy, uh, was the easy guy to, to see go first, but he, he and Kiviranta especially have some chemistry going and, and you can throw somebody else in the mix, whether it's, uh, 
whether it's Peterson or or really anybody else, I, I wouldn't mind seeing those two with Glenn Denning as well. That that creates some intriguing options down at the bottom of the lineup. And and really, if you're if you're heading to the playoffs, you don't want uh, you don't want a fourth line of plugs. You you want a fourth line that can get out there and and actually do something. And and having somebody like Radulov there, especially with somebody like Kiviranta, who he's shown some chemistry with, uh, gives the stars that. Yeah, I think you want that. And then the other piece as well is you've seen so much inconsistency out of the non top line. Um, non-top line players, you know, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan and all that. And no, Radulov isn't, isn't burning up the, the scoring charts, but you know, if, if Jamie Benn goes into an ill time slump or if Tyler Sagan, you know, gets dinged up again, you, you maybe like Radulov as a potential replacement a lot more than you like Kiviranta or, or Peterson at this stage. Well, and, and some of the, some of the stuff here, you know, the, Early on in the season, there was this Ben Sagan Radulov line that that we went back to, and it, and it really stunk. Yeah. And and my question now is, was that was that more related to Radulov and Sagan getting their legs under them? In particular, Tyler Sagan, I would say. Exactly. Exactly. And so. I'm not sure that that line has had the last word said about it yet. I, I think, I think if you periodically put that back together, it may be uh, dynamically a different line than what we saw at the beginning of the season. I agree. And the other piece of that is I think that with the schedule they have, there's a, a pretty good chance that Dallas is going to have the opportunity to give that line some run. Yep, and now now all we need to do is get uh, get the last three guys in the lineup more than five minutes a game. <laughs> well, we'll slow slow down there. <laughs> I, they 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 they're saving their legs for the playoffs. What? <laughs> I mean, we'll see, right? It's of course watch them go on a seven game losing streak again, and we have an entirely different conversation next week. True. Now now here's my question for you: trade deadline. If, if we've kind of written off the the stars being sellers at the deadline are they buyers or do they just hold and if and if they are buyers what are they buying i don't think they can i'm I'm pulling up their cap friendly right now so they've got i mean i guess they've got about a million in cap space so it's gonna that's gonna keep them out of the you know the upper reaches of you know they're not going to be able to go after like the but if you prorate based on the second half of the season like you could get a piece, um, and I, I, I guess I don't know as well as I should what's out there, but I would certainly – I still think that this roster is a forward short, um, in particular a scoring forward short. I don't think that they need any help shoring up the bottom six, but you know, if, if there was a piece out there that, that might have some offensive upside, I think you'd be inclined to listen. And – other than that, I, I don't know that you really want to mess with the defense, right? I think they've seen what they need to see out of, you know, they like Hanley in the the extra, the bump spot, and, and Thomas Harley has gotten some some run. And, and I think that, I, I don't know, I can't, I can't really see with what Dallas has, and it's not I mean, like they're- I you're probably talking like somebody like, you know, Ricard Raquel or somebody like that. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking is you you know for whatever reason you know you look at nothing you don't want to do anything that messes with the top line right so a combination of the performance out of your top line and your relative lack of high end cap space means that you're not going after an elite offensive weapon right you're going after a guy with some warts so then you, you scroll down a little bit and you think okay that next that next batch of scoring stars you have sagan and ben you have radulov you have gurionov um and then you're getting into like peterson you know raffle right so you don't you don't have in my opinion i you know you're not super comfortable with that second wave so if you could find i think in particularly a winger with a little bit of creativity i think that would be the move to make I, I just don't, you know, I, I'm looking at the lineup and I don't see other than, uh, I don't see a spot for a, for a scoring winger outside of the fourth line. Yeah. And I mean, the, the reason you bring that, that, that winger in is you're kind of baking in the assumption that maybe you're not going to trust Gurionov or, or maybe Ra- Radic, uh, sorry, Radulov is the one that gets bumped out. You, you, maybe you just kind of decide that he's going to play with, with, Kiviranta and Peterson, and that's going to be your fourth unit, you know, like it's something like that. And you're, what you're really doing is looking for a partner for, um, you know, Sagan and Ben on nights when you're, you're stapling Gurionov to the bench or a partner for Sagan and Gurionov on nights when Ben isn't going or nights when it's, when it's Ben and Gurionov when Sagan isn't going, you know, you're looking for, you're almost assuming that of the Ben Sagan Gurionov trio, one or two of them will be in the doghouse on any given night. And so you need depth behind it. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, one, I don't see that happening to anybody, but Gurianov. And I don't know that you're going to get better than Gurianov uh, in, in the trade market. And, you know, no, but that, you might get one of those, you know, capital V veteran players that, that experienced coaches seem to really like and favor. And, it wouldn't be an improvement in terms of play, but you know how these guys work. If there's a guy, you know, they, that, that's kind of, but I agree with you. I wouldn't do it either. And, you know, thinking about the cost and thinking about, you know, I, where this team is in its competitive cycle. I don't, I don't know that I would mortgage assets to do that. Yeah. And and I mean, uh, some, some of this is a bit rhetorical just because, you know, there, there's always the talk about, well, we need to bring in the scoring forward, and I've, I've looked at it. I'd love to have another scoring forward. I don't see that we have a spot for a scoring forward unless you just take everything that you know about this team, throw it out the window, and say, I'm going to plug this scoring forward into a spot where we know bonus isn't going to put it. Yeah, you're not. And, and I don't think you're going to do – you're not going to make that. This is not – yeah, you're, I don't think you're going to do that. I just don't think there's a – there's not a cause to do that. Yeah, so I, I mean I – I'd love to see us pull a rabbit out of a hat, but I just, you know, it's like, you aren't going to sell. I don't see a good reason to buy unless you, unless it's just one of these things where you say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make my guys feel good because I'm buying, I'm bringing in some reinforcements um, and, and that'll make everybody, you know, feel warm and fuzzy because we're spending a little more money to get them over the hump. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing I could think of. But, you know, maybe some depth on the blue line. But again, who do you bump out of the lineup? Yeah, exactly. You know, every time you every time you take a spot in the lineup and put somebody there, you're getting rid of somebody who's contributing or or arguably isn't contributing. But, you know, is going to be there anyways. Yeah. But I think you're right. At the end of the day, um, 
this is not a team that is there there isn't even even the stuff we're talking about i don't think this isn't like this isn't like the oilers where you have goaltending as a glaring screaming weakness that you absolutely have to go out and, and address right this isn't a team that has a fatal flaw it's more just a team that has you could you this team could stand to just be generally up leveled in terms of its its overall skill, but that's not the sort of thing you you legitimately fix at the trade deadline, right? You go out and you get a Barkley Goodrow, or you go out and you get a you know you get you get something meaningful. And I just don't know that there's that's not what this team needs. Oh, if if we all, if we had this one guy, all of a the sudden they're a cup favorite. It's like no, that's that's not right. If if this team had a couple of more reliable offensive pieces, right? They'd, they'd be in a different tier, but that's again, to me, that's not the problem you solve at the trade deadline. Yep. And then even if you did, uh, I don't know that there are the people out there that are going to do it for you. Not for the cost, right? Not for what, because yep. then you get into like, this team is, is going to need, you know, the, the defensive pipeline in the minors needs to be restocked. There's some questions about whether they've got enough goaltending depth in the organization, um, you know, there's, I think that, that you'd rather see what this group can do when it gets to the playoffs and keep the draft capital, unless there's some, you know, crazy godfather, you know, get Arizona to launder a contract thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Fully agree. Well, good. I'm glad we agree. And, and, and look, look at this stars doing well, not, not that interesting to watch, especially no. in the second, second period last night. But doing well. I would well. rather watch the second period than the third period of the Nashville game, to be honest. <laughs> well, you just needed to stop watching after the first minute or so of the third. Boo. Yeah. Well, now uh, you've I, me out. It, it wouldn't be a podcast with you, Mark, without some bummer thought at the very end. Oh, no, this is all good. I, w- I was trying to say, you know, team team's looking good. Uh, the points are there. We're, we're, we're back in the middle of the playoff hunt, if not – if not kind of a little over the top of the hump and we have some genuine young superstars that are coming on. We have some scoring that's happening, not only with the top line, but every once in a while throughout the lineup. Uh, we, we were highly successful without, uh, without our best defender in, in the lineup. Um, I see really nothing but good news out there. And the only thing holding us back is this, normal sense of uh, dread that Dallas Stars fans have grown accustomed <laughs> to over the over my entire lifetime. That's very well put. So all, all the fandom needs is Xanax and another couple months of hockey. Pretty much. And and when it gets down to about uh, five minutes left in the game, if it's a one goal lead, turn it off. Turn it, just <laughs> take the wheel. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> oof, we will have a longer conversation about that at some point. I am certain of it, but Thank you, Mark, for uh, for your insights. I think the the trade thing is is in particularly interesting. It, I, I think you're right; they're not going to do much of anything, and then hopefully Miro is back here. You, you got to think he'll be ready in time to face the Rangers. They could certainly um, certainly are going to need him against the likes of Shesterkin and, and that team. So uh, it'll be an interesting weekend, and it'll be an, an interesting final stretch of the season. It's it's all there for the taking. That's right. I'm I'm getting getting all my playoff gear ready to go. Have to there dust it off. Well, don't forget to like the podcast, download the podcast, follow the podcast. KT, as always, thank you for putting this together. And Mark, it was a pleasure. Pleasure. Talk to you next week. <laughs>